0: Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Brickenridge. Weekdays, 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR.
1: As the McDonald-Laurier Institute notes, in recent years, the Russian government has made no mystery of the fact that it is engaged in disinformation campaigns throughout the world. Is Canada immune from that? Would it be naive to think so? And the other question is, if we're not... What do we do about it as we head into uh, a year of a federal election? How concerned should we be uh, about Russian chicanery? Well, new reports uh, from the McDonald Laurier Institute, Stemming the Virus Understanding and Responding to the Threat of Russian Disinformation. read more at McDonaldLaurier.ca. Joining us on the line is the author of, of this paper, Marcus Kolga, the specialist on Russian disinformation and foreign policy. He's a senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute Center for Advancing Canada's Interest Abroad. Marcus, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program.
0: Thanks for having me on, Rob.
1: When we talk about Russian disinformation uh, and meddling. and and other schemes, how is that advancing the the cause of of Russia, the cause of Russian foreign policy? I mean, how do we understand what it is they're doing and why?
0: Well, that's a really great question because it's fundamental to understanding why they conduct this information warfare uh, against Western nations. So, I mean, here's what it is. It's, It's Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin and his country, Russia, cannot compete with a unified West. so they've over the past decade um, endeavored to sort of break us apart um, starting with our alliances uh, you know at the be- in the early 2000s, Vladimir Putin already stated that his primary foreign policy goal was to uh, break apart NATO because he simply can't compete with that mm. so he started with that and, um, and he's continued on to try and undermine Western democracy as well, because um, democracy threatens his own grip on power in Russia. So, you know, when his own people look to the West and they see that, you know, we, we have fairly high living standards, we, uh, you know, we enjoy democracy, freedom of speech, he wants to sh- uh, demonstrate to them that it's that it's not all that it's cracked up to be. So by undermining democracy, by subverting it, by using disinformation, um, you know, ex- um, amplifying uh, these strange far-right narratives, far-left narratives as well, because this isn't just a right-wing or a left-wing thing. It's on both sides. Um, he pits us against each other. And then we get into situations like we've seen in France, we've seen in Germany, um, Brexit. Uh, we've seen it in the 2016 U.S. presidential, presidential election. He can then show to his own people that, look, democracy is not all it's cracked up to be. You know, the way that we manage our democracy through the dictatorship, it's better. So it's, um, it's two things. It's trying to use disinformation to dominate foreign policy and to maintain a grip on power at home. That's why he conducts these campaigns.
1: I mean, is part of the goal then to foster allies in Western countries or at least uh, to, to provide support to, to politicians or parties who might be less inclined to take a hard line against Russia?
0: Yeah, sure. You know, it it all depends on the country that you're looking at. Um, Certainly in 2015, uh, when we went into the last federal election, there seemed to be a push by pro-Kremlin groups here in Canada um, to elect a, a different government. Uh, Let's not forget um, the Stephen Harper government, and Jason Kenney in in particular, who, I might add, uh, at the last election committed considerable funding to combat disinformation. So he was one of the sort of uh, earlier politicians to understand the threat of it. Um, The the Kremlin certainly didn't like uh, the the Canadian policy and the leadership they were taking uh, on, uh, for instance, Ukraine. Um, And so they they did want to see um, a change. Um, that change did come about, of course, and with the former uh, foreign minister, Stefan Dion, uh, the policy softened quite a bit, but uh, with Chrystia Freeland, uh, things have changed, so they're, they're pretty critical now. Um, any sort of messaging that you see coming out of Moscow or the proxies here in Canada is extremely critical of, of Christopher Freeland. I mean, they've even gone so far as to label her a, uh, um, a, a Nazi sympathizer because of her uh, grandfather's role in... During the war, so um, certainly it was there was a pusher there. They had a horse in the race in 2015. I'm not sure that going into 2019 that they have a clear uh, champion uh, in 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 this coming election.
1: Well, that's interesting because, as you say, they they were certainly no fans of Stephen Harper, uh, but nor do they seem all all that fond of of the current government. Uh, So, if the Russians would look at a situation like Canada and say, "Look, you know that they're they're all." on the wrong side of things, does it make them less likely to, to tinker or mess around in Canada?
0: No, uh, sadly not. You would hope so, but that's not the case. Um, what they will do is, uh, and what we'll see be seeing more of, is an ampli- amplification, as I mentioned earlier, of uh, these cr- fairly wacky right-wing narratives, left-wing narratives, um, uh, narratives uh, that pit us against each other. Um, so... Uh, you know, with the Venezuelan situation, we're seeing uh, a lot of these pro-Kremlin you know, uh, social media trolls, um, they're tweeting in support of the Maduro regime, and very much against uh, Canada's position, which is uh, which is to um, uh, to call for the removal of the, of the Venezuelan government. So that's, what we're talking about is that they're amplifying the far-left uh, narrative. On the far right, of course, they're uh, they promote uh, anti-immigration positions, uh, anti-LGBTQ uh, positions. Um, and you have people, unfortunately, uh, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter, who uh, will see these sorts of news items. Um, half of them are based on nonsense and just absolute lies. And um, and they start retweeting them. And that's, that's one of the real dangers here is uh, the role that social media plays in, uh, unfortunately helping to amplify these things. And so the, the ultimate result is that, um, you know, we we result in a, a screening match, a national screening match with each other, you know, much like what we're seeing in, in the United States. And, and the, you know, I think we've had an opportunity yet to to stem that potential problem, but um, we're at real risk of uh, of that happening here as well.
1: I think there are those who, who recognize the threat that Russia poses. Recognizes uh, that, that certainly Russia is, a, is an adversary of Canada, but that somehow by being smaller, we're we're immune. That you know the Kremlin has bigger fish to fry than Canada. Should we take any solace from from that? No,
0: absolutely not. Um, you know, over the past few years, starting with the with the Harper government. Uh, Canada's position in the world has really, has really grown a lot, and uh, after 2016, uh, the retreat of of the U.S. from the world stage and, and certainly uh, its moral leadership on issues like you know, democracy, uh, freedom of speech, human rights, um, the world is is really looking uh, elsewhere and is, is, is really looking for a leader on these issues. And having spoken to some, a lot of European leaders, a lot of thought leaders on, on human rights, especially rep, Russian opposition activists, guys like Gary Kasparov, have all told me that um, Canada is a country that they look up to and that they're hoping we'll take more leadership on these issues. Um, and that's, you know, Vladimir Putin's not missing that. The, the Russian embassy in Moscow not, or sorry, the Russian embassy in Ottawa is not missing that point. So they're, they're seeing this as well. And that's, that's, a, that's a growing threat uh, to, to Putin on the world stage when we have a strong voice, especially coming from Canada. I mean, we're a middle power, like you're saying. Um, we're, perhaps we're a little bit smaller, but we're seen as balanced and fair, and, and we support the rule of law. So when we speak out against these issues and, uh, and hold Russia and Vladimir Putin accountable, he, he doesn't like that. And um, and that's one of the one of the other reasons why he's going to target us with uh, with, with uh, disinformation, to uh, to sow uh, chaos and especially to affect and push the dial uh, or push the needle on, on foreign policy discourse.
1: So, what steps do we need to take then, especially you know with, with an election coming up this year, to, to ensure that we're protecting against this?
0: Well, there's I mean the government's already taken a few fairly good steps. A, uh, a new piece of legislation, Bill C-76, was introduced in December. Uh, this is a piece of legislation that effectively regulates um, third-party advertising and, and advertising on social media. So creating a registry uh, and making sure that third parties can't uh, overspend and, and that they need to be identified on, on social media. The problem with this is that based on the assumption that when... Vladimir Putin and his GRU agents are buying advertising or are trying to affect social media with their own narrative, that they're using the Kremlin credit card uh, or that the Chinese are using the Chinese, uh, the Beijing uh, regime credit card or that or the Iran is doing the same. They don't do that. Uh, they find ways to get around that. They don't want themselves to be identified. And so they use proxies. So while the legislation, its intent is very good, Um, I'm not sure how effective it will be uh, practically. Um, And there are other um, departments in Ottawa that are looking at this and and tracking and monitoring this information, but what's really, really needed is a holistic sort of look and and, and an entire, you know, total governmental look at this, and uh, there's a need to coordinate all this, um, and that's not happening. Uh, You know, one of the things that well, one of the most effective ways that we can combat this is through a fairly inexpensive but a well thought out um, uh, literacy campaign. so teaching people not to use Facebook as their sole source of news, for example, uh, to help them identify uh, fake news uh, or help them with their critical thinking when it comes to when it comes to news uh, and, and including cyber uh, cyber literacy so, Doing those sorts of things, um, are, that, those are the most effective ways that we can combat against it. But it requires a full and broad strategy, and that's not happening right now.
1: Well, indeed. Uh, much more again, uh, ca. Marcus, thank you so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. Thanks for having me on. All right, take care. This is Marcus Kolga. He is a specialist on Russian foreign policy, senior fellow of the Macdonald-Laurier Institute Center for Advancing Canada's Interest Abroad. His paper, Stemming the Virus, Understanding and Responding to the Threat of Russian Disinformation, online at mcdonaldlaurier.ca. 974-8255 is our number. Back with more right after this. Afternoons with
0: Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.